Hello, and welcome to episode 265 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. It's unfortunate, but managers often seem to get the short end of the stick. There is so much talk about leadership, so many podcasts and books and courses focused on leaders, but we all know that managers are the unsung heroes of any company. So today we are giving managers their due and focusing on what middle managers can bring to the table. But first, a warm welcome to Carmen M., Jenny S., and Natalie C. to the Modern Manager community. I hope that you will consider joining the community, or at the very least, subscribing to my weekly email where I share a mini sketchnote that has some of my key takeaways from that week's episode. These sketchnotes are a creative, visual way of recapping the most important ideas so that you can quickly reference them going forward, because if you are like me, your brain has a hard time remembering anything just a few days or weeks later. So these sketch notes are my version of a cheat sheet, and they can be yours when you subscribe to my newsletter. And you can get the full sketch note when you become a member. So go to themodernmanager.com slash join to join the email list or become a member. Now, today's guest is Emily Field. Emily helps organizations establish a talent-first approach, instilling a high-performance culture and adopting effective people analytics approaches. Her new book, Power to the Middle, focuses on how organizations can empower their middle managers who are uniquely positioned close to the daily work and the overall business strategy. As you can imagine, Emily and I talk about the important role that middle managers play, what it is that they are uniquely suited to do, and how they can start to shift their role to do more of what's essential and less of what isn't. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Emily. I feel like this conversation is about to be like the reason I started this entire business called The Modern Manager, and you have put it into a book and have done all the research that just felt so intuitive to me. And I am just so excited to learn from you and to have you here today. So thank you so much for joining me. It is an absolute pleasure to be here. All right. So your whole case that you're making is that managers and specifically middle managers are really like the secret ingredient, kind of the underappreciated cog in the system that actually makes the whole thing work. So I 100% agree, but can you say more about how you came to this conclusion or correct me if my interpretation is wrong? Your interpretation is spot on. Middle managers are the key. And so when we started out on this journey to write this book, it was really formed by the fact that when we looked back on our collective experience between me and my co-authors, nearly 60 years of work on people topics, working with CEOs, working with businesses on really driving and delivering strategies. What we found was that the secret to whether or not any program was successful really came down to the managers. And if we're being honest, middle managers have a bad reputation. This idea of 20th century bureaucracy, making work, right? Um, sort of stullifying the organizational hierarchy. And we really need to change that stereotype because just as you said, managers are absolutely critical to winning. 
You know, it's so true that managers and specifically middle managers have gotten a bad rap over the years, right? That that bureaucracy, they just are like the bloat in the system and we need to cut them out. They don't do real work. All they do is go to meetings all day. So if that's not what managers are all about, if there is something that is actually really powerful about what managers can and should be doing, what are those things that make managers so special? Like, why is this role so essential? Managers are the link between the senior leaders and the sort of strategic vision and the front line, the how we make it happen. And so they are the translators. They're the sense makers who are best positioned, given their position in the organization, to enable the work to get done, to support their people. And they're also the ones with the day-to-day human connections that make the difference for employees who say, this is where I want to work. You know, it's so interesting to think about that kind of intermediary role, that translator role, because I feel like that's a place where a lot of managers feel like they're being pulled in different directions. We have directives from the top that may or may not be the thing that we want to bring to our team. We have our team telling us things that we may or may not feel comfortable shooting up the ladder. We almost feel like we're kind of being torn between these two two stakeholders that we're trying to serve. What in your research, and what have you seen help managers figure out how to really sit in that role and sit in that translator role in a way that feels empowering and supportive to both of those sides of the, the equation? Yeah, let me bring you bring in bring you into the kitchen and throw an analogy out there. If we think about the best manager, I would argue that man, great middle managers are the sieves or a strainer, right? Whereas too often managers act like faucets. Uh, and so a sieve, right, filters through the information, right? Takes out the maybe the rocks from the you know, from the food or for, you know, from the vegetables, it, it filters. Whereas a faucet just plays the game of telephone and pushes information right to the employees. And so maybe a story to bring this to life, uh, something we all, many of us know so well and are living and breathing is the return to the office, right? And, you know, the best managers are the ones who don't just take the edict, be in the office three days a week, and say, okay, team, go do it three days a week. Here are your days, right? That, that would be a faucet, right? Instead, you want to be that sieve who says, okay, the intention is three days a week in the office. Let's actually talk about it. What does that look like for us? How do we need to rewire our days and where we do what work? Does Monday become the heads down work day? Is Wednesday our one-on-one connection day? Maybe Thursdays are in-office big ideation day. Right? But how do you actually rewire the work? That's the difference between being the faucet and the sieve. And it connects people to the bigger picture. It gives their you know, teams a sense of autonomy and agency. And that so much falls on the role of a really effective middle manager. Yeah, I mean, it makes so much sense when you think about the role not as having to be this kind of pinch point between, but actually a, a filter and a way of bringing people together in and saying, I have this set of information from the top and now I'm going to bring my folks in on the team and we're going to 
do the the sense making. We're going to work it through together and then we'll figure out how to implement. And then I can feed information back up so that the the directives coming down are actually better directives because they're better informed. So it's it's a not easy thing to do, right? But it's it's an essential thing that managers are really well suited for. Absolutely. If not the manager who's close, you know, who's closest to much closer than the senior executive to the actual work, then who, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, there was another concept that you raised in your book around the manager having a unique perspective and ability to kind of reallocate work. Can you talk a little bit about that aspect of a manager's job? Yeah, if we think about the manager as the person who has a pulse on their team's capacity, their team's strengths and opportunity areas, and also their personal aspirations and goals, then the manager isn't really well suited to be able to chunk out work in a way that makes sense for their team, both their goals as well as their capacity. And it's on them to really shape what that looks like, right? If And if work's being automated away, for example, what's the new work that that team does? That, that falls on the manager. I feel like historically we have like said, okay, well, these jobs are being eliminated. Oh, well, <laughs> like goodbye people. And that is just a diff. that's like an old school way of thinking about roles. And now we're looking at a world where roles are really dynamic. And as you said, technology automation is shifting what people need to do versus what machines need to do or what technology can do. I'm wondering as a manager, if I'm looking at my team and projecting out kind of where our business is headed and how automation or technology is going to impact us, are there things that I can do to move my company in that direction or kind of move my team in this direction of having more dynamic roles that we're playing so that people can be kind of slotted into different jobs and create more opportunity for people instead of looking at it in kind of that old school way of like, well, here's this job and that job's not being eliminated. I think it really starts with the manager understanding how their team adds value, how they contribute to the strategy, and what their people's strengths and aspirations are. So because what we know is that People who understand, it's important for people to understand how their work ladders up to the overall strategy or the the vision of the organization. And two, especially in this world of increased burnout, the importance of well-being, it's so important that the work that someone does aligns to the work that they want to be doing. So, so true. There's actually a really cute story in your book about the cashier at the grocery store and kind of creating new opportunity for his role when the whole automation of cash registers happens, right? And now we have self-checkout and even that's like becoming a thing of the past with this new Amazon grab and go whatever system that I have not yet experienced myself. But I'm wondering if you can share a story or two, either that one or others, about how managers have been able to be expansive in their thinking like this and connect people to the roles that meet their skill sets, connect to their purpose and also meet business needs. Yeah. And so specifically in the case of the supermarket, right, the person's job was no longer needed because their tasks had been automated away. And so they were tasked 
with a new opportunity to really think of, you know, at a higher, more strategic level, focused on process improvements. There's another example in the book of a branch manager who was underperforming, who was not fully engaged. And there was this pivotal moment, a conversation with this person's manager where they actually talked about it. They said, look, let's look at our the scorecard. Like this branch is not delivering. The financial metrics were not there. What is going on, right? And actually what it came down to and what this great manager did was she was able to get underneath the different layers and understand that the reality was is that the branch manager who has quite a large job, right? Like they are running the branch end to end actually got the most energy from the people leadership side of things and really did not get energy from some of the more financial and operational elements. And so this manager, this regional branch leader had the wisdom to say, let's pull this person out of this branch manager role and let's deploy this person to what they're uniquely suited to do. And that was actually around learning, onboarding and developing, which were things that this person loved. And so this person is working the same number of hours, but they're doing work that aligns to their mission, aligns to their personal purpose. And as a result, they're in the flow. They're performing and they're delivering much more value to the organization. So I know we're going to, this is kind of taking a left turn here, but there was another kind of big concept that you talk about in your book, which is that we see middle manager as like the stop on the path to something bigger, better, bolder, right? That it's you want to get the promotion into senior leadership or that there's this is not like the best place to be or that it's somehow we take our best managers and we move them out of these positions. And that actually what we want to do is keep great managers who have the desire to and the skills for focusing in on getting the best out of the people and creating those healthy work environments. We actually want to keep them in their manager roles, reward them. And if that's you, if you're one of those people, you don't necessarily want to accept a promotion into a job that has less of that and more of something else. Can you share a little about about just the thinking behind that and how managers can make a case to their boss that they want to stay in this role and be appropriately compensated? Or how companies can kind of rethink about the way they promote or kind of reward managers who are really good people leaders. Because I feel like that is something that we just we just don't do and we don't talk about. Yeah, you know, I really would wish I could disabuse this notion that like middle management is a bad place to be, right? It's this, you got to be there. It's a necessary evil on this upward trajectory out of it, right? When I talk to people, they'll sometimes tell me, I got out of middle management, I'm above it now. And I start asking them questions. I'm like, well, you're not the CEO. You're not the head of the business unit. My friend, you're a middle manager. And that is okay. That is not a bad thing. If you think about the notion of middle managers, as you know, if we define it as there's a manager above you and a manager's below you, you're a middle manager. And that is not something to be ashamed of. But that's how that is sort of the story we tell ourselves. And so this idea of oftentimes I talk to folks who say, I hate my job. I love what I used to do. And when you actually break it down, it's because the person felt like their current role 
was what they love to do, but they had to go elsewhere, right? We, we've created this notion of like, again, the only way is up. Instead of actually coaching people to say, what do I get my energy from? What do I love doing? When do I feel at my best? And how do I create a, and stay in a role um, or evolve a role that maximizes the things that give me energy? Work is work, right? It's called work for a reason. But when we take on jobs that don't align to our passions, work becomes immeasurably harder. And so this idea that the only way isn't up, how do you think about people being in a role and maybe expanding the role over time, maybe taking on a greater purview, but really sticking to their core strengths and for that to be celebrated and for people to be rewarded, right? That could be new, larger titles, that could be additional compensation or career opportunities, but really keeping people to the core of what gives them the most energy. You know, oftentimes what happens is great people managers are promoted out of people management and then they own large programs, but they actually then lose the one-to-one connection. Or in the case of technology talent, the rock star software engineer is promoted into people leadership. And then you lose your exceptional software engineer and they're spending time doing something that really doesn't give them energy, people leadership. And so how do you really connect people to the work that they're meant to do? Like that is the magic of getting the most out of your people and winning. I love this analogy because it's so clear when you say, you know, you don't want to take your best salesperson and pull them out of the field and have them oversee your sales team because those are different skills. Why would you take that best person out of that role? Or same thing on the engineering side. But when we think about it from people management, we don't give it the same respect that people management, if you're a good people manager, like that's an amazing skill set. Don't pull your best people managers out and put them into strategic roles that where they're not managing people in the same way and they're instead doing other kinds of work. Right. Let's elevate and let's keep those great people managers in those people management roles and find other ways to reward, sustain them in that space. So I just I think conceptually, like we just have to wrap our brains around this idea that people management is an amazing skill set to have the same way that any other kind of skill set you might have in a role is there. So I feel like one of the biggest challenges with this, though, is that we haven't looked at people management skills and the role of the manager as being hiring great people, developing, supporting those people, coaching them, retaining them. That has kind of almost felt like the side job of a manager who's also still trying to be an individual contributor and do a whole bunch of other things. Do you have any thoughts on how managers can really position their job as being about their team? so that they can focus their energy and they can get those professional development dollars from their business to invest in themselves, developing these skills as a manager? Yeah, I think you're hitting on two points here. One is how managers are spending their time and two, what are they uniquely suited to do? And so the bad news is that middle managers are not spending their time on the right things. We actually did a survey of middle managers. And what we found was that 18%, nearly a day a week of time for middle managers is spent on administrative work. Over a day and a half is spent on individual contributor work. 
And then about half the time is left over for people leadership and strategy development. And so I would say people need to be spending less time on administrative work. How do we automate that away? How do we simplify it? How do we get really clear on what are the contributions that people managers, that middle managers can make? And then really think about their role as people leaders. How do we make them these impact multipliers, I like to call them, right? The people who are able to drive work through their teams, with their teams, to achieve more than they ever thought possible, right? Also, how can they be talent magnets? This magnetic effect of, I want to work with this person because they help me connect my, you know, my personal purpose to work. How do we make managers who are coaches, who give the hard feedback because they care and they're always helping and pushing their employees to accomplish more? That's a huge value add for managers, but we haven't developed managers to do that. We haven't developed managers intentionally. And there's sort of this old thought, it seems, of like managers get developed by osmosis. They watch the manager who brought them up and they just voila, via osmosis, if you will, become a good manager. And that's not true. It wasn't, it's never been true, but I think it's especially not true coming out of the pandemic where we were on video, right, in our homes for two plus years in many cases. And that was not a way to develop managers and to develop some of these skills that we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, I, this is why, again, this is why I started my business is because managers have been underloved and undervalued for so long and there aren't enough opportunities for them to learn and grow and to be invested in in the people side of their job. So if you are a manager and you're thinking, yeah, I wish I had the time to really sit with my team and coach them and to give them the feedback that they deserve and to be really thoughtful about their roles and to do all of these things. But I just, I don't have the time and the capacity. Any thoughts on how someone like that could go and talk to their boss about shifting their own role? So I would argue that they can't afford not to. And so I think part of it is like doing the individual work maybe before going to the boss to say, what is, you know, what is all the work to be done? Are there things that maybe we do that don't add value that we might say, hey, could could we eliminate or kill that? Are there things where, you know, do we have the right people working on the right things? And how are we measuring that impact? And actually formulating a bit of a perspective. I think the other piece is, is this idea of how do managers coach in the flow of work? And so this is not performance reviews, right? Those are, you know, those, those have to happen, right? Um, but it's actually about how do you, in the flow of work, give feedback, coaching, apprenticeship? And so I might suggest a simple framework that can really be a game changer. The pro tip here is you can use this with your boss in the exact conversation you just described. I call it OILS. It's kind of a funny acronym. But if we OILS, O-I-L-S, you can share an observation. What are you seeing? What's something that maybe isn't going so well? We'll use just maybe the illustrative example of maybe your boss actually keeps interrupting people. And that's the conversation you want to have. So you can say, hey, can I make an observation? 
when we're in meetings, I've noticed that sometimes you cut someone off observation. It's a fact. You can't argue with it. Then you get to the I, impact. What's the impact it had? And not, I didn't like it, or, you know, I felt a certain way, but actually, when you interrupted that person, they weren't able to contribute their idea. And they may have felt like, you know, they weren't being heard. Or maybe you were the person interrupted, right? And you can share your exact impact. Then you listen, right? You let the feedback receiver, in this case, your boss, actually hear the feedback, let it land, right? The person might, you know, importantly, they shouldn't get defensive. They may, right? So, like, oh my gosh, that was not my intention is almost always the, you know, what you hear. Um, but give them time to listen and then actually strategize, right? That's the S. What could I do differently in the future? And oftentimes the feedback receiver is like asking for input. For example, would you mind, would you call me out next time that you see me interrupt? Because I want to make sure like that is not my intention. And so observation, impact, listen, strategize, you know, it really works both managing up and down. And at its core, that's the role of the manager, right? Managing people above and below all in service of driving the work. Such a great and easy acronym and such a helpful tool to use with everyone in your life all the time, in work and at home, actually, I would imagine. I'm wondering if you have any other of these kind of practical tools or frameworks that managers can use to help them be better in their role. I mean, I think the really important one these days as folks are increasingly coming to the office is a bit of what I touched on earlier, but is actually clean sheeting your calendar and actually saying, okay, if we're coming into the office two or three days a week, let's actually start with a blank calendar. Or if you were in the role pre-pandemic, go back to that calendar and just say, how did we used to spend that time? It's a beautiful thing of, you know, Outlook or other calendaring services is that you actually have this historical log of how you spend your time and then really take a step back. And as the manager say, okay, what's my team responsible for delivering? When are we coming together? How do we make best use of that time? Develop a perspective as the manager. You know, when do we do heads down work? When's meeting free time? When's the high value in-person connection? And engage your team in a dialogue about it, right? Bring the initial perspective, but be open to it evolving, right? With maybe some core principles of what you're trying to achieve, you know, delivering on your goals, achieving your personal objectives, et cetera. And then treat it like a bit like an experiment. And one thing I love to do is to actually ask people, you know, after they've been, we've been together from a day or workshops to actually say, how, how much more valuable was it that we were in person? What did we get out of it? And for folks who say, actually, it wasn't valuable, I thought we could have done it in you know, virtual, I'll actually ask them, what is one thing you are going to commit to doing differently next time we're in person to make it more valuable to you? It puts the onus on the individual, not just the manager. So there's already so much on managers' plates. We can't expect everything to fall on managers. That's how we got here, right? That's how we got to the fact that 43% of middle managers report being burnt out, which is the most out of any job level. We have to empower our people and not just say the managers have to solve it all. 
Oh my gosh. I think that's the perfect place for us to wrap up because it is true. While managers have to do a lot and should be doing a lot, we also have to view our team members as partners in solving problems and carrying the load with us. So yes, if something isn't working, empower your team to help solve it and make it better too. I love that. All right. So as we wrap up, Emily, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a fantastic boss? I'd love to. Her name is Kristen. And Kristen and I worked together for a few years. What made Kristen absolutely wonderful was that she gave hard feedback. She gave hard feedback that you didn't want to hear, but she did it from a place of empathy and support that you always knew Kristen had you front and center as she was giving the feedback and she was always trying to support. We also had a lot of fun together. And I think that's something we don't think enough about at work, right? Again, work is work, but it should be fun. And specifically, you know, people would joke that they'd call it like the three ring circus because the team would constantly be laughing. But we got so much done. We were able to be creative and entrepreneurial because Kristen created an environment where we could joke, we could color outside the lines, but ultimately we were always coming back to the problem at hand. But doing it in a fun way where you are not stressed, you're not under constant pressure, it actually allows you to achieve more. And I think perhaps how telling it is that Kristen had such a formidable impact on my life is I distinctly remember when I introduced her to my then boyfriend, now husband. And I remember being more nervous for my then boyfriend to meet Kristen than my dad, my parents, (laughs) uh, anyone else, because she had such an impact on me. I cared so much about her perspective because she supported me. Good news is she approved in spades. But I think it brings up another point too that's so important, which is your manager relationship can become personal and that's okay. It's all about supporting each other. So beautiful. And I'm glad she approved. And Me too. And where can people learn more about you and get a copy of your book? You can find Power to the Middle anywhere books are sold. I know it'll be linked in the show notes, but any of your favorite booksellers, they have it and get your copy today. Well, thank you again, Emily. Thank you for lifting up middle managers, putting them at the center and just helping us shift what it means to be a people manager to something that is not only important, but really essential and valued. My pleasure. Thanks for all you do. Emily is giving away five copies of her new book, Power to the Middle. Why Managers Hold the Keys to the Future of Work. And these copies are available to patron members of the Modern Manager community. To enter the drawing for one of these copies and get immediate access to dozens of prior guest bonuses, become a patron-level member at themodernmanager.com join. And just note that you must enter the drawing by August 18th. And when you become a member, you will also get the extended interview where Emily and I talk about what senior managers can do to better support their middle managers. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively. 
build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit Meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.